welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford and Woking in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. I love communion because it helps remind me that I'm part of something bigger. I love communion because it reminds me that I'm part of something that is so much bigger than myself, that I'm part of a church family, not only at Emmaus Road in Guildford, but globally. 2.3 billion Christians are part of my family, and that is a really exciting thing to remember. I love taking communion because every time I do, I am amazed again and again by God's love for me. I love taking communion because it reminds me of the daily grace of God in my life, which I need every day. I love taking communion because when we drink the wine and eat the bread, we all do it together with all our brothers and sisters all around the world because we're one big family. I like taking communion because um, I like doing it at home and I like it when Simon makes it really personal and breaks the bread and gives it to me and says, this is Jesus' body broken for you. And the reason why I love uh, doing communion is because um, you just you haven't got to be holy to do it. You don't haven't got to feel holy or anything. Anyone and anyone and everyone can do it. Amen. I love taking communion because when you take it, God always gives you a fresh start. And no matter what you've done wrong in that week, he always forgives you because he always loves you. I love taking communion because Jesus asked us to do it, to remember him by. I love it that we can do it traditionally with bread and wine, or we can do it with family and friends over the dinner table. But most of all, I love it when I take it and the Holy Spirit reminds me of what Jesus did for me. It can get quite emotional. I love taking communion because when I do, I feel like I encounter God and it gives me a sense of peace in my heart. I love taking communion because it is inclusive and no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, there is always a place for you at the table. I love taking communion because it reminds me of his selfless act and his great love and sacrifice for us. I love taking communion because it's an act of our faith that's been done by generations before us and one that we still do together today. I like taking communion because when we eat bread and we drink wine together, we're remembering Jesus in a way that the church has done since the very beginning. So we're connected to Christians all across the world, past, present and future. is worth a thousand words and every symbol tells a story. Today we're going to play a little game. I'm going to put some slides up on the screen, some iconic symbols and I want you to write in the chat what they represent to you, just a word or two. What do they make you think? How do they make you feel? What's the story behind the symbol? Here's the first one. What story does that picture tell? Take a moment and talk about it in your house and uh, write it down in the chat. So you ready for the next one? 
this was my favorite British person before I moved to Britain and got to know all of you. <laughs> this is Mr. Bean. I just love Mr. Bean. What is he a symbol of? What does Mr. Bean represent to you? How does he make you feel? Write it in the chat. Are you ready for the next one? What does this slide represent? It's Nando's. What does it evoke for us? Oh, food, chicken, hanging out with people after the evening service. Our community, food, friends, and fun. That's the story behind that symbol. Here's one that might be controversial depending on your team. What story does this symbol tell? How does it make you feel? Write it in the chat. This is a, a soccer team, right? I don't know, you guys, you and your British sports. It makes me feel a little puzzled. It's a bunch of grown-ups running around to feel after a ball. You can't compare it to real sports like hockey. <laughs> just, just kidding. Just kidding. The next symbol I'm, I'm not actually going to put on this screen because it's still too fresh and still too painful for me. The actual image takes my breath away. And so I'm just going to put an alternative symbol up instead. Here's his face. And the symbol that's emblazoned in all of our hearts is a symbol of a black man face down, dying in the street with a white police officer kneeling on his neck. It's a symbol of hundreds of years of oppression, of violence, of abuse of power and racism. A picture is worth a thousand words. And every symbol tells a story. So here's another symbol. What story does it tell? And what does it represent to you and to us? It's a symbol of bread and the symbol of wine. We call it communion. Some of us call it the Eucharist, others the Lord's Supper. And as we think about the first ever Lord's Supper, the first time that Jesus shared this particular meal with his friends, let's reflect together about the story that these symbols carried for them. It was a Passover meal. The meal every year where the Jews celebrated the story of God rescuing and redeeming them from slavery, from bondage. The story of God delivering them out of Egypt of taking them to a land that they can call their own. This, this meal, was the feast of God for the people of God. This meal spoke of a God who rescues, who restores. And this meal told them as a people who they are and whose they are. And every part of the meal had symbolic meaning. Every part of the meal told part of the story. The bread. Jesus would have actually used unleavened bread, bread without yeast, because it represented the bread that the children of Israel took from Egypt on their journey. It was unleavened because they were in a rush, frankly. <laughs> there was no time for the bread to rise. This bread symbolized redemption, 
It symbolized freedom. It also was the bread of the common people. This was everybody's bread. And then the wine. The Passover meal would have had four, count them, four (laughs) ceremonial cups of wine. And the four cups represented God's deliverance. So on that faithful night, when Jesus was betrayed, Jesus took the elements, the familiar elements of the Passover meal. That meal that told the Israelites who they were and whose they were. And then Jesus restories it. I just want to pause for one moment to talk about how Jesus practiced what we call table fellowship. Jesus defied. He was defiant of the social contracts of his day. He made friends with all the wrong people, regardless of what that would do to his reputation, what it would do to his standing in the religious community. In the Middle Eastern context, to share a meal with somebody was to express your solidarity with them. It was a profound gesture of oneness. And those who you share your table with says a lot about who you are. You can see it. You can see it that night, that fateful night around that table. Jesus is sharing his table with uneducated fishermen. He's sharing his table with a tax collector, one who'd been complicit in the evil empire that was was oppressing and ruling over them. Jesus shared a table with a zealot, a rabble rouser, the ultra-nationalist of his day, let's make Israel great again. (laughs) I can just imagine the tax collector and the zealot giving each other the stink eye across the table. Jesus sharing a table with one who was a thief and ultimately his betrayer. And he's, he's taking them through the Passover meal liturgy. The story, the liturgy that likely they would all have known by heart, that would have been ingrained in them all of their lives. But twice, twice in the dinner, he goes off script. When he breaks the bread, this is my body, he says, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you back in my previous life here's my confession i was a professional clown (laughs) i was a children's entertainer and i loved messing with kids heads here's how you do it if you want to mess up the kids around you (laughs) so fun i would sing familiar songs and then i would insert my own words So here's an example. I don't know if you sing this song in the UK. We sing it in Canada. Old MacDonald had a farm. E-I-E-I-O. And then I would sing. And on that farm, he had a hippopotamus. And all the kids would stop me right at that moment and go, Stop! Stop! You're singing it wrong! (laughs) On that particular night, at that Passover meal, Jesus messed with the liturgy, the script. I can imagine inside that clutch in the hearts of the disciples, Jesus, you're singing it wrong. What is this strange story you're telling us? 
the language of the new covenant, they actually probably would have been aware of, they would have been familiar with Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 34. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it in their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Jesus' disciples were familiar with the promise of a new covenant, but this, his body given for them, his blood poured out for them. I could just imagine at the time the disciples, they're sitting there, you know, taking a sip, a little bit perplexed. They're, they're following along, but they're trying to wrap their heads around it. And then after the supper, then came the midnight snatch and grab in the garden. Then came the trials, the torture, and the execution. And all of a sudden, it becomes clear. His body broke in. His blood poured out. They began to better understand the story. And by the time Peter preaches his groundbreaking sermon on Pentecost Sunday, he had caught the plot. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, says Peter. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Peter goes on to say, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Jesus is Lord. He's Messiah says Peter, the God who saves. We can be forgiven and we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verses 9 and 10, we can see Peter's had even more time to grow in his understanding of the implications of Jesus' death and resurrection. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, 
that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you'd not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. This is our story. This is a story. These symbols tell the story of a God who rescues and who redeems. The story tells us who we are and whose we are. We're chosen. We're holy. We're God's special possession. And I love that in our free church tradition, we believe that we're all priests, as Peter had said. And so this meal doesn't have to be presided over by a a religious professional. We can break bread in our homes with our families like they did in Acts 2. Through these symbols, through the, the bread and the wine, we can remember the story together. When I break the bread and when I lift the cup, how do I feel? I feel grateful. I feel deeply grateful because I was an enemy of God. I was without hope in the world. I was broken beyond all repair, isolated in this little prison of self, diminished by my own sin, devastated by the sin of others. But he came to me. He revealed himself to me. He called me out of the kingdom of darkness into his kingdom of light. He invited me into family, and I am chosen, holy. I am God's special possession. And so I know not only a God who rescues and restores, I know who I am and I know whose I am. And I feel grateful. I also feel challenged. This table, this table defies the social contracts of our day and of our culture. Jesus' death broke the dividing walls of hostility. We can blithely say, well, there's no more Jew or Greek or male or female, slave or free, but we don't realize in that culture, in that day, how deep the divide, how deep the rifts, this unpassable chasm there was between them. How on earth could these be made one? How on earth could all of us who are aliens and strangers to one another be woven together as family? How can we be knit together as a body? Sometimes it's hard. Often it's messy. And always it's costly. But it's a sign that the kingdom of God is among us. So I feel challenged. This table is a declaration of a God who loved his enemies and laid down his very life for them. And a God who invites me to do the same. I feel deeply challenged at that.
And lastly, I feel expectant. I feel full of hope. In these days of travail where it feels like the whole earth is groaning full of injustice and violence and pestilence, we need to return to the table. This table, these symbols, this story. The symbols that tell the story of rescue, redemption, deliverance. These symbols that declare solidarity and healing and sacrificial love. This table speaks of of the ultimate consummation of history where Jesus returns in all of his glory. He spoke many times of a wedding yet to come and the book of Revelation speaks of the wedding feast, another table, the wedding feast of the lamb. And we look forward to that day, a feasting and celebration where Jesus returns and everything that was wrong, he makes right again. And he makes all things new. So I feel expectant. I feel full of hope. So welcome to the table. Welcome to the story. His story, the story of a God who rescues, who delivers, who restores. And your story and my story. The story that tells us who we are, and whose we are. So we eat, and we drink, and we remember. Welcome to the Feast of God for the people of God.